disciplined, physical style of football uh, that is going to be needed to win championships. Longhorn Nation, we're back! Welcome to another episode of Fire the Cannon. I'm Rocky. I'm Hannah. And I'm Megan. And this is Fire the Cannon. Welcome back, everybody. So much is happening. Too much to talk about. We're going to try to get it all in. Tom Herman is out. Steve Sarkeesian is in. We're going to talk about the players' reactions, the fan reactions. Uh, We're going to break down what we know about Sarkeesian. We're going to talk about the huge men's basketball win that was overshadowed by football news. We're going to recap the Alamo Bowl game. We were there. We had a blast. And then we'll get to the rest of the college football bowl games. And hopefully we have time to get it all in. Let's start with Tom Herman is out. Sarkeesian is in. Initial thoughts when you found out Tom Herman was fired yesterday morning. I was surprised. Uh, I mean, I honestly, I thought him, you know, with the Meyer thing dying down, um, you know, my understanding was the BMDs, it was Meyer or bust. Right. right? Um, so I figured once Herman survived that and uh, Meyer turned it down and then we come up with a big Alamo bowl win, I figured it would be something that would coast for the next year. Um, you know, and, and next year would be make or break. So I was really surprised, um, as far as the timing of it and Mm -hmm. that it happened, Um, As far as Sark coming in as the coach, I wasn't surprised that we announced a coach as quickly as we did after it leaked that he was fired because in my opinion, Texas isn't going to fire the the head coach without having somebody already having said yes. Right. Right. So less surprised on that timing, but definitely the firing caught me off guard. Yeah, I agree. Um, Yeah. I think I, I just assumed that after especially like that huge Alamo Bowl win, and then he won the last regular season game by a lot too. Like, I mean, he was going in the quote right direction. Um, I just assumed that he would stick around and we hadn't really heard anything. It was pretty quiet and then like, my phone is blowing up on a Saturday morning and I'm like, oh my God. Like, yeah, it was just kind of like, is this real? You know, it was, it was pretty crazy. I, I got a few texts from inside of Belmont, you know, I got a few texts right before it broke and one of them was it's happening and I was like wait what what's happening and then boom flood it was just it was crazy it it really was just kind of bananas I agree with you guys like we had the big Alamo Bowl win like you said Hannah the end of the season with a big win and it looked like okay we got young players the recruiting has been previously it was great it's come to a standstill and we'll talk about that being an issue Mm too um but the, I felt like with the talent he had, um, even with players opting out, the, we had seen development from the younger players who had to step in. The coaching staff had done a great job, especially on defense, um, preparing the younger kids, the younger guys to come in and play. I felt like that was, and taking account, of course, COVID year, it's hard to judge anything in the COVID year with a new staff. I thought maybe he was here for another year, um, barely tipping the scale 51 49. Right. We are where we are, but nope, he's out and Sarkeesian is in. 
It's crazy. Yeah. You know, we've, we've had a lot of folks ask, all right, well, what's your take on Sark? What do you think? What do you, right. do you like the hire? Do you like the hire? So I'm, I'll ask you all that. What do you think about the hire? Do you like it? You know, at first I was like very, I think I was just too in shock of what was going on to like really digest whether or not I liked him. But, and then of course, my concern has always been, obviously, if not for Urban Meyer, who is a significant step up. I mean, yeah. uh, human being, like all of that crap aside, like as a coach, like significant step up. In my opinion, all of the other guys that whose names were thrown around just seemed kind of lateral movie. And especially mm-hmm. with him being a, and I know he's had head coaching experience in the past and it's been, eh, eh, eh. Um, but just be coming in as a coordinator, like that was my big concern. But then the more, the more things we learn about him and the, the more you hear about him and the more people are like stepping up in the media and saying, no, no, I think this is a really good hire for Texas. I, I'm I'm settling into it a bit. Um, still skeptical for sure, but I've settled in. I'm, I, I mean, what choice do I have, but to move forward and be hopeful, you know, like, exactly. Well, there is that. <laughs> there is that. Yeah. I mean, I, I would echo that. I, I have some concerns. I mean, obviously we have some concerns. Texas is a big name, right? Big brand. And every year we say, God, why aren't we doing better with the talent that we have? You would think that to get rid of, coach Tom Herman, you would think that it would be a big name, splashy hire. I didn't get the big splash out of this that an Urban Meyer would have brought, that a Nick Saban would have brought had we gotten him forever ago. I'd even argue that maybe even like a Brian Kelly or, I mean, obviously Dabo. Again, we can argue the merits of all of those coaches coming to Texas or being at Texas. But to me, bottom line is those would have been splashy names I feel like Sark is is a solid hire for sure, but not a splashy one. And we're back, you know, I feel like we're back on that shaky ground of being a fan of like, yeah, man, there's a lot of really exciting upsides. This is the next big head coach, right? But so was Tom Herman. And, exactly. you know, I, I just, I, I'm hesitant to get gung-ho about it. I mean, of course I will back the coach. I am a Texas fan through and through. I support the school. So I'm going to support whoever our head coach is, but um, yeah, though, and I think you bring up some really good points. It's like the more you learn, you know, there, there is that question. Of course, we've seen a lot of folks bring up, you know, his personal history in the past. And yeah. I, I do agree that's something to, to consider. Um, but taking the positive spin on it, man, like this guy has been in the fishbowl before and he's felt the pain before, and he has had a very public recovery, which I think is really honestly a big positive in, in him for, for Sark. He understands the pressures of doing everything publicly and maybe stumbling a little bit. And he's had to really humble himself and rebuild himself. And we all know that humble wasn't necessarily uh, Tom Herman's strength. And that was kind of his undoing. Right. So, you know, I, I liked what I heard initially. I liked what I heard. And of course, like, you know, the, the man's working to better himself and he's done it very publicly. And I applaud that. So I, I see that more as an upside. Well, here, here he is. He, it was, he was asked that in his media availability. So it wasn't a press conference. It was limited media, even invited to this zoom call um, to announce him, which is another weird thing, but here's when they, he was asked about his personal battles, you know, he um, addresses his alcohol problems. Here he goes. Um, so I'm proud of the work that I've done, um, but I will say when, when you battle what I battle, you 
you have to work on it every day. This isn't just a one-time thing and, and you take the, you know, you take the happy pill and everything's good all, all of a sudden and you never have to work on it. I work on it every day. Um, I work on it, whether it's through meetings, through a sponsor, whatever that may be. Um, that, and that's important to me. That's important for me to be the best football coach at the university of Texas that I can be. And so that's what I do. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, I love that. I love that it comes out. He owns it. You know, it's not, and it is something like we've said, and we all know Texas is a fishbowl. And while I do have a little bit of concern, I, I don't know that the university of Texas head coach job is the most conducive environment to maintain sobriety. No. Speaking from experience, I'm sure as shit never sober because of this team, you know, like, you don't get paid by the university, not, right? but it's, I mean, he's, he's saying the right things. He's doing the right things and he's approaching it with a humility that I think we haven't really seen uh, in a while. And I, and I think that that would be, I, I think that's going to be an upside for him. If just being honest. Yeah. And I appreciate the openness that he, I mean, he doesn't hide behind it. He knows everybody knows and he can turn it into like a really beautiful thing. And if somebody, and we all know a person who's like dealt with addiction and then recovered, it is something to celebrate. And it probably does need talked about more. And so in that regard, like I'm, I'm happy to have him. It, if everything works out. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and, and again, I mean, that will certainly be put to the test, but he's taken yeah. all the right steps so far. Well, um, like you said, Hannah, he's definitely turning it into a positive. He said, you know, he, he addresses it. He says it is something that makes him real when he talks to players and recruits. He's a real person who's overcome adversity and he's learned to use that to develop relationships. And it is going to be a battle. It's a struggle. He mentioned having a sponsor and, you know, have, going to meetings or something like that. So we know he's addressing it with professional help and, and, you know, it's a disease and it's addiction. And for people to compare overcoming and fighting alcoholism, which is something, you know, alcoholics will say they do for the rest of their lives every day for the rest of their lives. Um, people are trying to compare that to excusing, covering up rape and covering up violence. I'm sorry. These are two completely it's different things. Very yeah, two totally different things. We're not going to, if he's, if he's truly humble and fighting it and, and seeking help, I, I'm going to praise him for that. Not yeah, absolutely. hold it against yeah. him. You know, and I, and I will say this too. I, I know that his head coaching record has come into question, right? I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. not always uh, rainbows and sunshine. That's, that's for sure. I had a lot of questions. I mean, he, it seemed like he really started to get that the Washington program turned around. They were looking really good. Then the USC thing happen, happens and he has a very public stumble uh, with yeah. addiction. What I'm going to take from that though, in, you know, we've talked about this many times on, on our podcast, Texas is a really unique pressure cooker of big money, big talent, big names and big egos. Right. Mm -hmm. And I will say, while he may have stumbled a bit at USC with his addiction, it seems that the addiction has been addressed and he is constantly working on that and in a good place. But I do think if you're going to take a head coach from any school that has at least close to the similar pressure that the University of Texas does, USC is, USC is a really good pot to pull from, right? Mm -hmm. Again, big names, big egos, big money are all involved with, with the flashy school, you know, near LA. So I think that in a way we'll see some of that working with the boosters that we didn't see with Charlie Strong at all, not because he wasn't capable necessarily, but he just didn't, he wasn't ready for that. Right. And then Tom Herman, I think where he really faltered, uh, you know, and there's a lot of debate on this, but I think where Tom Herman really, really faltered was his complete lack of 
situational awareness of just how much influence the boosters have and just how much influence that money has, right? right. That's one thing Mac did fantastically. He, he would glad hand everybody. He could shake your hand, know your name, make you feel comfortable, whether you were a fan, you know, a, a, a kid, a seven-year-old kid that loves the University of Texas or a $70 million donor. He made you feel important. And you he have made to be a politician. Part, yeah, like, a part of the program. So, yeah. and, and hopefully, you know, with a little bit of experience and a little bit of humility, uh, you know, coming from the USC job, working closely with Nick Saban, that can't be an easy an easy job to do, you know, uh, dealing with Bama boosters, dealing with USC boosters, hopefully that'll start to click for him. And he'll, he'll put the two and two together on and do a better job at least of approaching the money, uh, that makes the world go around at Texas yeah. versus just focusing on the X's and O's. The one thing that I am really, really excited about or excited to hear rather is that apparently we've heard that he was uh Saban's heir apparent or it was understood that he was the heir apparent to the throne at Alabama and that is one hell of an endorsement so uh, if Saban trusted him enough to pass on his his duel of a program then I mean that can't be that can't be half bad so that made me feel a lot better (laughs) He, he talked about how much in his media availability, how much he's learned from Saban. And one of the things he says, they asked him, how is he different now from when, you know, he was rebuilding Washington and then had his struggles at USC. And he said he's learned now to delegate the jobs, delegate, not try to own everything or take everything on himself. And he's learned that it's the process that will create the, the, the wins will come when you instill the process, when you recruit develop and have core standards. And I know that's been a huge issue. We mentioned a minute ago, that's been a huge issue. And one of the reasons they say Herman wasn't trending in the right direction was recruiting has gotten so bad. 21, they so many great tech players left Texas. Right. Um, 22 is already looking, you know, like Rough. players are looking elsewhere. Yeah. And um, he was asked about that. And I'll tell you what he said. This is this is what got me excited. And when I was, oh, I don't know how I feel about him. This made me excited. This is a talented roster. Um, you know, there, there's plenty of good football players on this team to go win a championship with. Um, but but Aside from that, I think everything, if you start from the ground up, we have to recruit really well, and we have to recruit really well in state. Um, we cannot let the top talent in the state of Texas leave the state of Texas. It cannot leave um, and go to the SEC or the Big Ten or, or for that matter. I think the second thing is we have to be a great developmental staff. I think we have to develop our players. Um, and, and again, that, it's easy to look at on the football field, but making sure we're developing them in life and developing them in the classroom. Um, and then the third thing, I think we have to instill some core standards and beliefs in the program that, that the players live by. And that's a standard of excellence. And that comes from discipline. That comes from mental and physical toughness that's needed um, to persevere and to win those close games late in the fourth quarter. All right. So we know some of, and I know it because he recruits and has stolen some dang good players from Austin, Texas. Yeah. Bring, why don't you bring the Brockemeyers back with you, sir? Yes. <laughs> um, you know, he's, back him up and bring him back. <laughs> you don't blame anybody for choosing to go to Alabama because chances are they will have four championship rings, but they, it was really interesting to know because he's heard from kids that he recruits. You've got Texas in your backyard. Why aren't you going there? They blasted on social media. I need to be developed, right? I need to uh, have a cha- shot at NFL and to win championships. And 
he he took that. We don't heard we hear it in every press conference though. That's why it's oh, that's why it's frustrating. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and again, I think this is where you know his experience comes along. I don't think there's much question if he can develop players. Right. We Rocky, you brought it, you put it to a point perfectly. He stole players from Texas that we had and then we didn't. And <laughs> I think that was a huge uh Sark effect right Mm -hmm. I do think this is going to get us a nice jump in uh, you know just a a bump in in recruiting to kickstart going into 2022 um I I I the one thing I will say of course Tom Herman had his issues and and I will say this yes recruiting in 21 took a hit but I I think part of that was due to all the uncertainty going around. And again, I'm not going to harp on this for too long because we've talked about it plenty, but I'm not going to place recruiting issues squarely on Tom Herman. The administration really fumbled on a lot of levels. They created uncertainty from the get-go. The Urban Meyer thing was damaging in the way that it was handled and the way that it was talked about. And then following up towards the end of the season, all the questions about Herman where cool. Well, Texas is saying we're completely unhappy with our coach and yet he's still our coach and had to close out the class. So that's a, that's a hard, you put any coach in that situation. That's really hard to close out. Yeah. That being said, uh, he's saying all the right things, right? Sark is a dude that can develop players. There's no question there. Um, You know, of course he's saying we can't let the top talent leave. We can't, you know, we got to develop players. We've got to have core standards, AKA core values, right? We've heard all these things before. So yes, I'm happy he's ticking the boxes. I'm glad he's saying it. Um, I hope that comes with a little more weight than what we've seen from some of our past head coaches because everybody can spit the coach talk, right? But when it really comes down to it, he's got an opportunity to make an instant impact immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's saying we've got the players, we've got the talent. We And I agree with that. We, I think he is in a very unique position taking over a head coaching job where he's got talent that he can show an immediate impact literally on the first game of the first that, you know, the first game that he coaches at UT, that will be apparent if he's developing and if his system is going to work. I think that's a really unique position and fortunate in the sense that Texas, again, isn't known for being real patient. So hopefully that'll, I mean, like, in contrast, when Tom Herman took over, like he had to build it pretty much. Like the cupboard was bare. So he had to really rebuild it. And then like Sarkeesian is inheriting a, like a pretty, pretty baked cake. If we want to use that reference, like, oh God. Oh God. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like he, it, we, we all know, and this is why all Texas fans are frustrated. The program is right there, like right there. But the uncertainty was if Tom could actually get us over the hump. And so Sarkeesian hopefully is just enough to like go from, I think I can to, I did, I did, I did, you know, um, it, it's a good thing that he will be able to recruit, especially for this, the second signing day, walk into a kid's living room with the university of Texas logo on having just won potentially a national title. And he's, you know, telling you to come play at Texas. I think, that's a good, that's a good plus too. So. Yeah. I I definitely think that makes an impact for sure. Rocky, what are your thoughts? I just keep going back to not understanding how this is. Okay. My question is did Texas get their guy? Mm. No. 
And that's what I keep coming back to. He may end up being the next Lincoln Riley, which some people are saying he was on his way to being that offensive genius mind when, you know, the reason he was, you know, being pushed through these, getting big jobs quickly, NFL teams are trying to hire him away and all these things. And I know he had to pause his career and battle his, you know, his uh, um, alcoholic demons and deal with his family and his divorce and all his personal issues. Right. So that aside, I just, I just still feel like at the end of the day, um, did, did Texas just slam dunk their guy? And we won't know for two or three years, but I don't know. I'm just, I, I liked listening to him talk, but I, again, like I said, it's easy to get washed away with press conferences. I love that he did have numbers to back it up every year. He, he said, and this reminded me of you, Hannah, every year he has a thousand yard rusher. Come on, Bijan. That's you, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the video gift with a bow gift wrapped. Here you go. Here's your yeah. second coming. But if you're going to bring me an OC who just came off of a national championship, that's Herman. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, again, there are certainly flashes of feeling the same. And I think Texas fans are well within their rights to be skeptical and well within their rights to have a little bit of like, oh, PTSD about this, right? We've been here, we've done that, we've seen and felt all these exact same things. So yeah, there's a lot of potential for screw up. But I will say where I think Tom Herman faltered the most, I mean, he was an X's and O's guys, right? He mm -hmm. was an up and coming by all accounts, Herman was a slam dunk hire when we hired him. He was the um, hottest name. But ultimately, I think his ego got in the way. And from the very little that we've seen initially, I don't think that's going to be the same issue with Sark. So I'm hopeful in that sense. And I'm going to choose to look at this as the glasses half full, maybe three quarters full. You know, I had, I had a friend that made a really good analogy. Shout out to Kermit. He said, no, I don't think this is a home run hire, but this is like a triple hire with the potential of stealing home of getting so like, all right. I like it. I like it. It's, it's I mean, not quite there. It, it's a, it's a solid hire. It's strong and it has a lot of potential for upside and to take it, you know, to return Texas to national prominence. Yeah. I think the potential is there. Um, but it's going to be tricky to get that last piece where you steal home, right? Yeah. To be fair, Dabo Sweeney, when he was hired at Clemson, nobody expected him to be as successful as he has been. Well, and he also had eight years to, to get that program. Together. Right. Exactly. And so you don't have I that mean, timeline at Texas. There's You don't. Exactly. No, I think it's been but, really interesting to see the player reactions too. You know, we've had some questions on that. I mean, Charlie Strong's guys, my God, they've been vocal. Really? Sean Elliott never won to keep his opinions to himself has certainly been going back in it pretty hard you know we see a menahu excited about it um excited about the firing bit, yeah about him leaving uh chris warren yeah it's i mean a lot of guys have been chiming in um I felt for our current players, I, I don't think they should ever have to find out on social media right along with all the other fans. Yeah, that was something I do hate about, you know, all of all of the way that Texas media works, but seemed to be a lot of shock from current players initially. And then once Sark was mentioned, I don't know, man, it seemed that that they jumped on pretty quick. Um, again, we saw Juwan Mitchell say, listen, keep we saw a lot of the current players too saying keep Ash. I want to play for Ash. I want to play, you know, what do you guys think of that? I love Ash. I love the development. It's obvious that with um, the staff, the defensive staff, there have been huge improvement. Like I said earlier, I just thought there was great improvement on the defensive side of the ball. 
Um, I know what's going to make or break the offensive minded coach is his defensive coordinator. I, we hear all this talk right now about, is it Muschamp coming back? Is it Ash staying on? He, you know, Sarkeesian said that he would interview the current staff. There's just, there's just so much uncertainty right now. Okay. And I'll be the first, I'm sure I'm going to get roasted for this. I do not understand Texas fans obsession with Will Muschamp. Like, Maybe I'm the bitter ex and maybe I'm too like jaded to go back, but like, we've been there. We've done that. It didn't work out. He burned us after the head coach and waiting title kind of went downhill. Yes. He got some good head coaching experience, but it didn't work out for him there. And every time he was put on the major stage, it seemed like his defenses were just getting freaking torched, man. Like Miami comes to mind. Um, and, and yeah, he has a lot of upside. He knows how the culture at Texas works. I get that, but I'm just not high on Muschamp. And I think Ash was Rocky. You pointed this out, the development of, of, you know, the defense, especially towards the end of the season, once they knock some of that rust off, our defense was solid. Like I, I was, I had no qualms with the defense. They were getting there. Our secondary eh, little questionable at times, but they always had the bend don't break mentality. Um, you know, I, and I think Ash also comes with the upside of he's newer, but he's got some time with these players under his belt and to see the players come out so vocally and not support Tom Herman necessarily. There were a lot of thank you for the opportunities and things like that, Mm -hmm. solid moves, but then to see the players come out and very vocally say, keep Ash, I want to play Mm -hmm. for him. Like Giles speaks volumes. Right. Um, yeah, I agree. I, well, it's it it's a step back anytime you have to introduce an entirely new support staff that runs a different scheme that the boys have to learn all over again. And so, I mean, like, regardless of how it turns out or not in the long run, it does like set you back a bit. These players already have a great relationship established with these coaches. Um, it's working. I, I mean, I know I tweeted on the other day or yesterday if it's not broken, don't fix it. And I'm, and I know it doesn't work out like that very often. I'm grateful that Sarkeesian is at least open to interviewing and open to the idea of of possibly retaining some of that side of the ball. Like, so, and Megan, I I'm with you. I mean, I don't have like qualms with Muschamp per se. I would rather have Chris Ash over Will Muschamp. I'll take right yeah, now. I mean, no all day question. Long. I just don't understand Texas fans like love affair and obsession with Muschamp. I just don't get it. Maybe Coach it was Boom more the that. personality. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like the boom, Coach Boom. Like he was like intense. Screaming with yeah. blood down his face. It, it didn't, I don't know, man. And you know, I, I do understand that Texas defense for a while was really solid with him at you know running that was 15 years ago like exactly that's exactly the point like I get it and I know that this past decade has been rough for Texas but I don't think I mean everybody keeps harking about well Texas top three defense two of them were run by Muschamp okay 15 years ago we won a national championship 15 years ago and played for another one does that have to do with the price of tea in China I, I don't I don't buy into that I don't buy into oh, well, he's been here before and he did well here before, so he's automatically going to do well here. Right. I think you stay, stay the course with Ash. Um, you know, Ash has all of the experience. He knows the players and he's developing in a way that we, at least I've been happy with. I think, you know, given a full spring camp, given that fall ball, like yeah. I think we see a completely different team 
coming in. To me, the bigger question is on the offensive side. Right, which is right. Like, he's like Forte. So Yeah, I mean, hand, is he staying? I don't no. know. He, no, he no. Sometimes, but then all of a sudden, our O-line, you know, the magic was few and fleeting. And, you and know, I know the man can, can cook out, but... I just, I don't see that being something, I don't see, I don't yeah. see how Herb Hand survives the storm. No. Marcation specifically mentioned the play of the O-line was important. He said, you know, this is QB friendly, uh, but it's not QB driven, his system. He knows it worked in other conferences. It worked in the NFL. It's physical, it's attacking, but it goes off the O-line. And you know, he's got, if you know, he's going to bring or refine the best O-line coach he can get his hands on right. to come run. Cause he said this star, this system runs off the O-line. Like he's not going to take her hands level of coaching yeah, and, and, and recruiting. No. And coming into the, you know, the Alabama circles, I, I don't <laughs> obviously don't wait in there often, but coming out of the Alabama reporting side, I, a lot of the, the thought is that Sark is already poached the O-line coach from Bama. Which, no. Yeah. I again, nothing confirmed. No. This is just rumor mill going on on the folks in the oh, know at Alabama. That got me a little okay, excited. If Ooh. that happens, Ooh. all in Sark. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah, you buy it, right? Yeah. You leave the magic then. Well, <laughs> and then Rockermeyer's back. <laughs> yes, you would. Yeah. And I'm not going to hate on Herb Hand because you know he tried to make chicken salad with chicken, but that's his fault because he wasn't the top recruiter. And when you have top quarterbacks coming to Texas, you have to give them something in front. And you would think- You have to let them know they're not going to get their head taken off. Yeah. Yeah, The best (laughs) O-line should want to come play with the best quarterbacks and it's not happening here. Exactly. I mean, there's an old adage that goes something along the lines of, your offense is only as strong as your weakest O-lineman. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's that's... it's so true. You have to win the battle in the trenches to be su- successful, and you have to do it play after play after play. Right, and there is some. Uh, it looks like Burn Orange Nation is reporting again, nothing official, but it looks like Sark is expected to retain Stan Drayton, which yes. I think is a really good upside too. He's got that line in on recruiting. You keep that line into Texas, where he's respected with the high school coaches. Yes, with the team, he knows how it works. Um, you know, another name that we'd be remiss not to talk about is Carrington. Oh We've got Carrington. Oh God. Yeah. You know, I think we bring in the O-line coach from Bama. We have, you know, Sark in here that can pull from his head coaching and his NFL experience. I think that's a really big key that he'll be able to say, Hey, I know what it takes to be, you know, successful on the next level as a player. I can help you get there. Now we've got an O-line coach that has been proven to develop everybody. You've got Stan Drayton, who is going to be allowed to finally let Bijan run free. And look at what he's done with Rojo, right? right. That's a big thing too. But again, Carrington knows this team. He knows these kids. And Texas, in my opinion, would be foolish not to just throw the kitchen sink at him and be like, here's a blank checkbook. Write whatever you want your salary to be. We need to keep you here, but you're well, staying in Austin. It was, uh, I think it was Anwar that Anwar Richardson that reported that. Yeah, I want to say it was Anwar that Carrington already has offers from maybe five different schools fighting for him, and he's even been offered a pipeline to become a coach. And that there's there's like legit national interest for him as one of the top, uh, you know, 
play, player personnel, player coordinator, recruiting, developing yeah. um, personalities. Yeah, and- well, and rightfully so. What he has done at Texas is is nothing short of amazing. The, um, I mean, so it would be nonsense for these, especially other big name schools to not be like, oh, oh, here's our opportunity with Tom Herman leaving. Well, apparently he has got offers. But yeah, my like, concern let, is because Tom Herman is the one who gave him the shot, right? At Houston, brought him into a field where he was didn't have the experience, but he had the personality, he had the, you know, the go get him attitude. And he's just become this powerhouse in recruiting nationally. And I would wonder if he's more loyal to Tom Herman and will go where Herman goes, or is he now loyal to Texas and this players and the new relationships he's built? But good luck to him because whatever he get, whatever whatever great opportunities come to him, he deserves them. Absolutely. But let's let's wrap up our Sarkeesian talk. I have we'll start we'll end with the message he has for the fans um, at this media availability yesterday. Here we go. I want when people when people watch us play that they're proud of the brand of football that we put on the field, and that's a physical brand of football, one that's built on toughness, one that's fast, one that's attacking. Um, and one that, you know, they want to be able to brag to their buddies to say, did you watch Texas play today? And, you know, that, that takes time. Um, that takes time. But uh, my belief is we're going to put something together here that is going to be exciting, that is going to be fun to watch, uh, that's going to be attack-driven, whether that's on offense, defense, or special teams, but is also a disciplined, physical style of football uh, that is going to be needed to win championships. Championships. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a while. No, I love it. And again, he's saying all the right things. I think he's mm-hmm. striking just the right tone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Charlie Strong came in and he was all X's and O's and that's it. And that's, he had his blinders on and that's all he could see because that's what's worked for him before. And Herman came in with maybe too much swagger and too much <laughs> ego driving the, the, driving the cart. But I like the balance that, that Sark is, is striking here. It's about it's fine if you win every game. (laughs) Exactly. You know, and again, but he's saying we're going to do the right things. We're going to develop players. It's going to be, you know, we're going to win championships. That's what we're going to do. It's going to be exciting. But he's also coming in with more of a team effort about players, about fans, about the program and the brand rather than about me. You know, I like that. It's refreshing. It is refreshing. And I like that he seems humble and human. He seems like he is, um, understands and has learned and is, I just feel like he's been humbled in his life. And which is the opposite of, like you just said, of when Herman came in, he was on a pedestal, people were fighting for him. And of course, Sarkeesian has people ready, you know, off job offers he's turning down apparently all the time and even the NFL jobs. But I feel like he's got a humbleness about him, a humility about him that makes them go to work um and that's all i can, that's all we know right now right and we're gonna be excited to follow in the next few weeks he says he's gonna be swift but diligent putting together his staff because signing day two um is coming quick and he wants to round out some pieces so that's exciting and all this great news about the football program the fire and fire overshadowed the biggest basketball win of probably the <laughs> Decade, maybe like two decades. You kidding me? Let's talk about this. Well, minus like making it to the final four. Like, have we ever been this excited about men's basketball? Like since then? 
The Texas yeah, Longhorns no, I... come in Allen Fieldhouse and beat the third ranked team in the nation by 25 points. It's amazing. Look, we've all watched the roller coaster that has been men's basketball, and every year it's going to be our year, and then it, we shit the bed at the end, and something happens, and we can't get free, and the cohesiveness is holy crap. Are holy you kidding shit. me? For this team to go in to the number three ranked team in the nation, I mean, we haven't won in Kansas in a long ass time. For us to go in and not just beat them in their own house, but absolutely humiliate i mean that was an ass whooping 25 point victory in lawrence that's insane and listen shaka deserves all the praise for that his hair solid part of that i'm yeah. quite convinced but he might be rapunzel before he leaves here like i do not care like right but do listen, not mess with this mojo. this team is playing with a fire that we have not seen in a cohesion like a cohesiveness from from texas basketball that we have not seen in quite some time uh you know Coleman's really stepping up Greg Brown man I love this kid I love this kid he he comes in he's active on social he is all about he is bought into the program bought into the team and while he's still developing it's been really fun to watch that it's been really fun to see the support coming through even from Jones you know Andrew hasn't we all know that that heartwarming story of him battling back from cancer and back mm -hmm. on the team um, and I think it's all it, we're, it's safe to say he's not quite at the level that he was before his cancer diagnosis, but he's coming back and he is being so unselfish about it, man. I love watching AJ one come in and support the team and give shout outs to all the guys that are having great games. I think that is something we have not seen from Texas basketball, just that team mentality. That's right. not one guy. We haven't seen that from Texas basketball in a while. Well, and just the, the sink synchronicity is that applicable there of how they play you know what I mean like not just the team mentality but like they gel so well so well like yeah. it's almost like a dance watching them play you know, you know what I mean more like alley-oops this season than I can remember and I'm here <laughs> for that energy I am loving it god yeah the game was a blast so there was no Royce Ham, no Kamaka Hapa COVID restrictions protocol um but they still managed to have Five players in double digits yesterday. Courtney Ramey, 18 points. Andrew Jones, 14. They were killer from three. They had 30 points in the paint. And Texas could oh. not, Kansas could not keep them out of the paint. They were dropping threes. They held Kansas um, to 26% shooting. The defense was insane. Like everything. This is what we brought Shaka to Texas. Yes, <laughs> Yes, it was, yeah. it was amazing. They got their free throws. They shot 46% from the 30, from the three. They're on their own. God, they it were was crazy. Crazy. beautiful. And I'll be the first to say the, the threes give me anxiety with Texas because Texas has always been a team under Shaka that loves to take that long ball, right? They love to the shoot. They die by the three. Ball. They just don't always make them, you know? They will die by that three. Where it's, now we got to shoot threes to try to catch up, but yep. You're sinking and when this team is hitting everything right like they were yesterday man it is a beautiful thing to watch and i i'm here for it and look i'm i'm glad that that football i mean we all know football's king it's always going to get the attention but let's shower some praise on these guys well, like yeah this mm -hmm. is a basketball school right now y'all yes Damn. we are 84 59 crazy it is absolutely crazy 
to be fair, we have a lot of season left. We have, I mean, all of our big 12 play virtually. There's going to be some hiccups, I feel, but that's okay. That's okay. But I, I think just the excitement surrounding it, and maybe it did uh, basketball a favor that football is a little bit uncertain because like fans like need something to get excited about. Baseball doesn't start for a while. So everybody's like, oh my God, we have a basketball team. So yeah, yeah, no, it's great. Good for them. Liking to see their success. Now, had Shaka been a football coach, he would have been out two seasons ago. Right. So a little bit of development, a little bit of patience has been mm-hmm. paying off for Texas. The recruiting, you know, again, the relationship. We don't need to go into the timing of football. We've, we've beat that to death. But I do <laughs> think, you know, I, I do think it's solid that Shock has gotten that extra time. Hannah, to your point, we got a lot of season left. So let's not count those chickens before they're hatched or longhorns before they're born, right? But, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's, I, I really like the way that this team is trending and they've been exciting to watch. And I'll tell you, I think a lot more people are going to be tuning in to men's basketball than has recently. Yep. Hook them horns. Love it. Good job. <laughs> go Shaka, go. <laughs> Don't cut your hair. Hey, Another so- big win this week. Huge win this week. Massive win this week. <laughs> yeah. That, by the way, 40 years ago now, but uh, we had another bowl game. We had another what? bowl game win, you know, and let's talk about, while we are not big 12 homers in any way, shape or form, the Big 12 went 5-0 and in bowl games this year, my friend. What? <clears throat> but I thought oh. we were down this year. I thought the Big 12 <laughs> sucked, y'all. I thought the Big 12 can't do it. Well, turns out <laughs> the Big 12 whipped everybody's asses. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, con- convincing wins all the way around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Rocky, you and I went down to good old San Antonio. Hopefully we fun. don't have to see that city for a bowl game again for quite some time. I, I, I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm the one person that loves when we're in the Alamo Bowl because it's no, I mean, I would much rather be in a championship game or sugar, I mean, sugar bowl or something like that. I'd rather be in but if, 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 if we didn't make a new year's day game, I'm, I'm rooting for the Alamo Bowl because it's an hour away. San Antonio is a blast. Um, you get in and out easy. I, I mean, it's oh, no question. Me. Yeah, I'm not arguing. It's a the great host the city, regardless. I don't and want to I'm fly, not I don't want to fly to the I just bowl. From a bowl game that I want to watch game. Like from that point of view, uh-huh. I, I, I've had my fair share of San Antonio. Oh, yeah. I would much rather be in L.A. or Dallas or Miami or New Orleans, <laughs> Orlando, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, I'm, just, yeah. I'm, I'm ready for for stepping it up a bit. Um you know, interesting. Rocky, had you dealt with Colorado fans prior to this game? Not that I remember them being like this. I'm sure at one, our home games back in the day, but I don't remember this ridiculousness. Yeah. I, I, time heals all wounds. Right. And I always had it in my head. Colorado fans are a pain, especially in Boulder. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. just, they're not, they're not known for being the classiest fans, but Mm-mm. it all came flooding back on Tuesday when we <laughs> had to deal with just the idiotic things that would come out of their mouth. And, you know, to me, it wasn't even just like being rude. It was, they were just saying stupid stuff with absolutely no knowledge of football history or football in general at all. It's like, you're just running your mouth to run your mouth. So I, I'm certainly thankful for that proper ass whooping that texas brought down on colorado 
Um, what were some of y'all's takes from the games? What were some of your favorite things? Um, personally, and I mean, this is one of the highlights from it. Sammy missed the entire second half. And Casey Thompson was nails. Yep. I mean, they kept saying, because I, I actually watched it from home. And the announcers over and over and over just couldn't get over. They're like, and then here's second string Casey Thompson, who's only had like so many snaps this year in the season. And he's acting like a starter. You would never know it if you just like turned on the channel and didn't even know anything about the two teams playing. You would never know that he was the backup. Right. That makes me excited for the future. Absolutely. That kind of like, he's always been a more accurate passer than Sam. And as much as we love Sammy and like, he's just like buried in our hearts for forever and we'll go down in Texas folklore. I'm excited about the productivity that Casey and the ceiling that Casey possibly has. Yeah. That was awesome. And then of course, Bijan just being a God. Bijan being Bijan. Bijan <laughs> doing his thing. But no, for me, it was watching Casey not just come in and, and, and steer the ship a bit, but like take command and be yeah. a badass. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. I love it. I mean, we definitely saw Texas uh, with a 300 yard passer and a 300 yard rusher. Um, and if I recall correctly, that was the first time that that had happened in Alamo Bowl history and only like the second time that it had ever happened in Texas history. I mean, it was a solid performance. And Hannah, to your point, for Texas to pull that off with their second string quarterback the entire second half, is that is something that I really think for me, man, future is bright. Rocky, you you nailed it in the game. You said Casey Thompson didn't get ready. He stayed ready man. And he, he stepped into that role and he was there. What, what were your thoughts when you saw, like when you saw Casey step up Rocky? Um, well, I went back and looked at the numbers because sometimes our eyes can be all sparkly glitter. And then I, but I went <laughs> back and looked at the number Casey made our eyes sparkle and it was legit, right? It was legit. He was averaging. Okay. So he had 170 yards passing in his half. Um, Sam had 160, but the difference was Casey did that in 10 attempts, eight completions, Sam Ellinger, 16 attempts, but K- and Casey threw for four touchdowns. And I know they were running to set up the pass, pass. I mean, it kept going back and forth, pass, run. It was so balanced. And I know it can be confusing, like when the, the second string comes in, oh, he's lighting it up. Well, the defense didn't have seven, eight, nine games of film on Casey. They had that on Ellinger. Um, oh, yeah. So when Casey comes, it does take a minute to adjust. But even when it looked like Colorado was trying to cover, getting ready for him to run, he was scrambling a bit, using his feet, making crazy good throws on the run, Colorado still couldn't cover him. And even mm-hmm. by the fourth quarter, I know Card, Hudson Card came in for a bit too. And I like just like meaningful snaps for him. I really, yes, yeah. I was, I thought our eyeballs really told us the truth that day. He's legit. And like we said, he was ready. He was prepared. He was able to, they, they ran a little bit different stuff with him, but oh my goodness, he was good. He was yeah. good. Yeah, it's it's one thing to be thrown in like just in a regular season game when you haven't it handed it off. But like, but like getting thrown into a bowl game, and it's COVID, and I know the stadium was like sparsely filled. I don't, I don't care. You still have a lot of eyeballs on you, and you have a lot of pressure. And he handled it beautifully. And I don't think we could ask for better, especially going into this next season or this off season and the next season. Um, I don't think like we could be any more like excited or like have any more hope like for the future or uncertainty, you know? Yeah. I have to agree with that. You know, Hannah, to your point, I love Sammy. He will forever go down as one of the most cherished longhorn quarterbacks that we've ever seen on the 40. Right. There's no question about his heart and his 
you know, his growth and his desire to, to be there for the university. He loves his school. He is a tried and true Longhorn and will forever hold a special place in all of our hearts. Yeah. All of that being said, I am so grateful that he decided to declare for the NFL. I feel like that's the right choice for Texas, Uh, right choice for Sam too. Obviously he knows his people, he's talking to his thing, but I worry that it'd Sam come back for another year. Texas has had kind of the history of not necessarily playing the best players recently. Right. right? And I think Casey stepping in that second half really showed that he's ready. He's ready to be in. He's ready to lead the team. He's got everything. And we're not going to have to see that developmental period that Sam had to go through getting thrown in when he was young, you know, going through that quarterback battle, the back and forth, you know, not knowing who's QB one, all of that mess to me, that's answered. Casey is our QB one moving forward. And I'm really happy because I do think that that's going to keep the locker room happier. And I think it's putting our best players on the field Mm -hmm. starting for the 2021 season. I like that. What you just said it, I think it does help going into the off season had Ellinger made it through three quarters and the, the score was what it was 55 what was it? 55, 23. What was the final score? Something like that. If the score was in the 40 to 20 range still. So they go ahead and put in um, Casey Thompson and they have him handed off a few times and it stalls. You go into the off season with this over overbearing QB battle. Of course, there's going to be a QB battle. There's always got needs competition. Hudson card may pass him in the spring. But I'm saying you go into the offseason with this these questions. I think the way it happened, unfortunately for Sam, he had to go out at halftime. It wasn't a but they moved the ball and they were okay, but there was a lot of stalling, a lot of weirdness. It didn't move. Casey came in, even the O-line was playing better. Like everybody was elevated, everybody had a spark. That kind of excitement, even though I know it's Colorado, but that kind of excitement can take you into the off season. I agree with you, Megan. It left, I'm sure it left a little spark in the locker room about we do got a QB one. I agree completely. Well, not just for the quarterback. And let's talk about the other young players that were thrown in because of opt-outs and whatnot. They were all like lightning. Like I was not like disappointed really in any of them, like any of them at all. Like, I think that we've got a good, solid roster top to bottom we're going to have a lot of good competition in the spring for starting positions it's going to be healthy we're going to be better because of it and I do going back to what you said Megan about like letting your best players play and we all know how pissed off we could get at Tom for that or not doing it there's going to be you know like well if I bust my ass in the offseason and really prove my worth like I will get to start no question so um yeah good for the other young guys like they were Bravo. Like I couldn't be more proud. Yeah. I love it. And again, we we've said this and we've seen it quite a lot. I think there was a lot of question in this program. Are the best guys starting for us? Are the best guys playing for us? I felt leaving the Alamo bowl. I feel like we have more opportunity for that. And with the changes in head coach, I feel like we've got more opportunity and I am more confident that the best players that's the Alabama mentality. I don't give a shit what your Jersey says. I don't care what your name is on the back of that Jersey or how long you've been there. The best player is going to be the one making the plays. I mean, we Mm -hmm. saw it, you know, quarterbacks. I mean, the quarterback fights that they had with Bama, 
the next man up was always ready, is always ready with them. Um, You know, and we saw in the middle of games, jobs being taken over because they wanted the best guys on the field. That's what I want to see at Texas. Yes. And I appreciate appreciate paying off the hard work that goes into it, but man, I'm fucking tired of it. I'm fucking tired of not having our, our best players giving us the best opportunity to be the best team that we can be. And I, and I really think that this is going to signify that shift. I mean, we saw Dixon uh, come in, had, he was wide open. I mean, that reception out of nowhere, he did fantastic. I Mm -hmm. I think Hannah, exactly like you said, we had a lot of players, young players that haven't necessarily had the opportunity that came into the game and showed, man, I'm here. I'm, I'm serious. I'm ready to play. I'm ready to make big plays. I love seeing it. Yeah. I I think behind the scenes and we know this, that whole like reluctancy to let your best players play caused a lot of damage behind the scenes. That's where we saw the transfers and um, politics, a lot of politics. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like, that's going to happen regardless. I get that, but you don't see that happening at programs like Alabama. You know what I mean? And how often have we said, like made some comment about like the product we saw on the field at Texas, like, oh, that shit would not fly for Nick Saban. He would yank them so quick and put the next guy in. Well, that's know- easy to do. And the next guy's also a five-star and people don't leave because they know they'll get a chance. But like, ring. again, like just to give the opportunity and like come to find out our second and third strings are pretty damn good too. So, right. Yeah. To that point, we do have the play. I mean, Texas historically has recruited well. It's just when it comes, in my opinion, when it, and I, and I think a lot of our players come in and they're working hard, man. There's no question Mm -hmm. that all of our guys are leaving it out on the practice field. I I feel that truly. I think the question would come in when you've got a guy that's not hot, but he's your starter. When he's not hot, pull him, put in your next guy, give him that opportunity because Rocky, exactly to your point, Bama's always got the next man up mentality um, where I think Texas has the talent to have that mentality. They, the culture just hadn't been there. Yeah. Yeah. Like you've got a guy working his ass off in practice week in and week out, and he's not seeing any sort of like fruit from it or like any, you know what I mean? Like that has to be frustrating. And at least maybe in Sarkeesian's um, program, we'll see like, okay, if I work hard, this could pay off. Well, we have the the biggest productivity was the kids who had, I keep saying kids, the young athletes who had to step up. So leading tackles, we know Overshone was a beast, but he's been consistent all year. He got better and better and better. better, Great coaching. Arm bandit. The arm bandit. Oh my God. God bless him. But the leading tackles, you know, at least contributed to six tackles were Jaron Thompson and Reese Latow with Overshone. So names that we didn't hear all year, they got an opportunity to play more. Um, because of, you know, the opt-outs and what did they do? They balled balled out. Yeah, they balled out. And of course we have to give love for the most insane, um, interception. Alfred. Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) Talk about about future. What an athlete, what an athletic play, what quick reaction, what physicality. Oh my goodness. Like that was like a Superman play, like like Wonder Woman, like deflecting the bullets. Like he was like there, like, and you were like, did he really just do that? Like, what a freak. And especially for a big guy up front yes. to have that cat-like reflexes. Like, holy crap. I love him. Sign. I, I am an Alfred College stan also. Like, Bijan, Casey, Alfred. I love it. And I have to give love, too, to Broughton. I know he's been consistent all year. Yeah. He had a tackle for loss. It was like a nine-yard lo- tackle yeah, for man. loss. 
he was a beast. He, he was exciting. It was good. It was, I was, the defense was great. They were great. Well, and, and I saw someone, and I don't recall who it was, but I saw somebody bring this up with Broughton that he may have been damaged a little bit by having to work on the scout team so much and not being able to develop mm. this new position for him, which again, I, I appreciate just the raw insane talent and the desire and the, that work ethic from him. But yeah. this is where I really want the Texas coaches, whoever they are, to step up and say, look, I see potential here. You're working here. Let's tweak some things. See those, you know, diamonds in the rough, if you can call it rough with four and five star players oh, no, I know. and say, Let, let's polish that up. And now let's try you here again. Seeing Juwan Mitchell say, I'm going to play linebacker with, with Ash. I love that mentality. I love that. That's something that Ash sees in him and is like, all right, let's make some tweaks. Yeah. You know, Rojo switching from being QB three or QB four or whatever he was at the time put in as a running back because he was there and ready. And he's had a lot of success. I think yeah. Rojo has been one of those stories where can't we do that more with our players put our best guys in. Well, just the desire to serve where they, where they can, you know, wouldn't it Rojo that actually approached the coaches and said, I know we're thin at running back. And this was uh, preseason 2019. Like put me in, I'll try it. And they were like, well, hell why not? And like, and it worked out beautifully. So I know his numbers weren't great in the Alamo bowl, you know, only a few yards of carry, but the way he pounds at the line and wears them out. Then when BJ's back in, um, Bijan is back in, He's got that space, and I know it doesn't look like Rojo is as effective, but he is making the space for when Bijan is back in. It's it's I think he it's a wears good them down that thunder and lightning compliment. Yeah. I love he, it. Right? He wears them down steadily, and that exactly. is exactly have to have. So I mean, we've always had multiple backs at Texas. You have like your star, and then you've got like your trenches guy who's just gonna like steadily just pound at you. Both are equally important. One's flashy but both are needed. So, yeah. I, I mean, the other way to look at that, like I kind of see Rojo as like the Moose Johnson, you know, of yeah. the Longhorns, right? He <laughs> comes in and he's consistent. And when you need him, holy crap, he's going to break off that play that you needed to get that spark. But otherwise that kid's going to be in there throwing blocks. That's one thing I really liked out of Rojo in Alamo bowl. Mm, His yes. blocks were there consistently. He was always in position. He was swarming to the ball. He was ready. He had, he was setting up BJ for, or Bijan. We keep calling him BJ. I know, I know. Bijan for success. <laughs> and, and again, I think that's part of why Bijan's been so incredible is that Rojo's filled that role of being the guy to help back up and to help give that balance. And Rocky, exactly like you said, that one-two punch, that's really powerful. Um, and, and like we mentioned at the top of this podcast, the table is set, man. The talent is there. Texas brings a lot to the table. And, and I think Sark stepping into this job has it easier than any head coach that has come before him as far as talent being ready, all the pieces being there, and now the support and the financial backing, right, of, of the administration. So my God, if we can't make it work with where we're at now, I don't know. <laughs> I give up. Like, <laughs> it is. We are cursed, cursed forever. It's like if this doesn't work. Yeah, it's tough. Quick, quick love to Cameron Dicker, who had who took Aww. on the hunting responsibilities after Buchevsky um, got hurt, and he averaged forty four yards a punt. Was it forty four? Yeah. Um, and well, I, 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 yeah, and you know, two for three field goals, but 
I, he was, he was good. And he had working double duty. And man. yeah, live in the game, Megan and I were like, damn, he's a good punter. I, when we needed he's, him, he was another kid it. that's just stepped up. You know, I, I had the, the opportunity to speak with his parents uh, at the K-State game. We ended up sitting next to each other and we chatted quite a bit. Awesome people, by the way. Hi, Rachel. Um, yeah. When I, I, I happened to ask her, I said, all right, so how's Cameron, is he liking kicking? Is he like being a punter? And she goes, he is loving it. He awesome. just wants to kick. He just wants to play. And he is loving the opportunity to be on the field more. So again, you got to love that enthusiasm and it's a hard position. I mean, kicking and punting, they're it's different, crucial. man. It's a different gig, right? And yeah, the way that Cameron stepped up, of course, we'd like to see a little more consistency with the field goals, but there are a few players that are working double duty like he is with their positions. We and know he can do it. He just needs, yeah. Like yeah. It's just, and for him I mean, to be consistent like that, I, I love it. Yeah, that's yeah. a great shout out. I love that. Dicker the everything kicker. <laughs> Dicker the all around kicker. I love yes. it. <laughs> I love it. So bowl games, y'all. It yes. has been a wild bowl game, like just bowl season in general. We talked about the Big 12 being 5-0. and oh, What's yeah. up, y'all? Um, I'm, I'm going to Homer a little, a little, a little bit, just because I feel like we get so crap from the media. So it's like, uh, Oh, it's like, you know, the poo, suck it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, no, for real though. Like, that and we and our, our one head to head with the SEC was OU Florida. Right. And I'm OU not an OU fan. The shit. That was hilarious. Out though. of Florida. Yeah. Whoop the shit Got out. Got those of Dan Mullen rumors up real fast, didn't it? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Are you sure you want the guy that lost to both AM and Oklahoma in the same season? Are you right? No. Yeah. And a really horrible LSU team, we might add. Yeah, he got, I mean, got mollywopped by Lincoln Riley. That's certainly not a guy that oh, I didn't want. want to be in all three of those games. He can say crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I know. Yeah, they they didn't want to be there. And you know, here in Mullen, I respect Mullen as a coach. I do. I think he is a solid coach. But I lost some of that respect after the game. Just listening, you know, the excuses after the LSU game with the shoe, that was a football move. Shut up, coach. No, it wasn't. Own it. You know, and then after the OU whooping, him coming in and blaming everybody else. And, oh, it was just excuse after excuse. The 2020 Gators stopped playing 11 games ago. What an insult. What an absolute insult. First of all, everybody had opt-outs. That's a bullshit excuse. And what an absolute slap in the face to his players that were in that game that worked their asses off yeah, and right. showed up for him, for him to say, oh, this is basically a scout team. I would be, if I were his player, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't want to play hard for that coach. I would hit that portal so fast. They risk injury. They trained all week. They traveled. They had to go all the extra COVID protocol, all of that for him to say, oh, it was a glorified scrimmage. Yeah. And I mean, again, OU was missing players too. I certainly am not a big 12 homer, but I have to admit, and I certainly don't love OU. I had to admit, I was enjoying every bit of watching OU go out there and just dominate. I won't say I was rooting for them, but I wasn't necessarily rooting against them in that game. It was, it was as much as I was rooting against the SEC. And I'll, here's an example of like the, like blatant favoritism that is played toward the SEC. They lost to a horrible LSU team and slid down one point or like one spot. Like, mm-hmm. 
Texas loses to a horrible team and we like go from like the top 10 to like out of the top 25. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah, it, you it, have to. And so, no, it, yeah, there was a lot of pleasure. In me watching. Oh, you just like, like Texas, Texas loses to national oh. champion LSU early in the season. And we drop like 10. <laughs> I know that's an precisely, but like, Oh, but they play each other. They play each other so hard. I'm like, okay, first of all, who decided that the, that, that this group, of, of teams the, the sec is like that much more superior are they really and that's where bowl season and non-conference play really just shines the light on like the truth of all that yeah and we're gonna survived a group of five team in the last second yeah survived it and on top of that like i would say if you took out ou from that game and put isu in that game they would results the are the same, same. Fucking thing. yeah matt campbell comes in wreck shop like I don't see so yeah. I think Texas could miss me with that really, bullshit. Really well, we play each other and beat each other up. You know what? So do we. It's the Big Twelve. We've been doing it for years. But no, it's pretty grand when they actually play a whole season. Oh, and then <laughs> the other beautiful thing though is like, oh, the Big Twelve can't play defense. Like they can't hang with the SEC. Like when it comes to defense. Um, well, apparently we can. Right. Yeah. Well, all right. And then we were all watching with bated breath. You know, UNC and the fighting Mac Browns. The Mac Browns, short, baby. <laughs> just short against the Aggies. I, yeah, you know, the Aggies pulled away at the end, which is good. But I tell you what, you can see that UNC was missing. I mean, they did get their running game going, and there were some passes. Powell was the quarterback. Powell, was that his name? He yeah. dropped them right in the receiver's hands and they would go right, right in their hands. Basket. What yeah. happens when you're missing your top receivers, your top running back, your top defensive player? I know everybody has opt-outs. I just know that if UNC had their full lineup, it wouldn't have been the same result. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to avoid that argument because I just got finished talking like, shit about Florida. Like, yeah. using no, the I'm not going to be like, we would have won. Like, I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I agree. But you got to love what Mac Brown has done with that program. I mean, to come yes. from relative obscurity with UNC football, they were once good back in the day, um, you know, and to see him bring them back from relative obscurity to where they are and to play the number five team in the nation as hard as they did. I think that's a really the, the future is going to be bright for for Mac Brown and for UNC. I I dread yeah. the day that we have to meet them in a bowl. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like my soul, <laughs> North Carolina as, yeah, um, as like, I mean, I don't think anybody really questioned it. Like how great of a coach Mac Brown is. He is equally good as Jimbo where Jimbo finally pulled away though, is that A&M is just more talented top to bottom. Right. Like yeah. they just have been recruiting and listen, this and, is an unpopular opinion. A&M's a solid team. They are. A&M's a better team than Texas is right now. And Jimbo has done a really, he's had a hard job of coming in and saying, hey, I'm at this little school out in BFE, Texas, competing <laughs> with the likes of Austin and the money of the University of Texas and the brand of the University of Texas. He's done a good job. And, and I, again, it pains my soul to say that. I hate to say it, but right now, as it stands, I think if you put, again, now there's more, a, a million questions a with all new staff and, and we have a new head coach, but I think had you put AM and Texas in a bowl game together this year, which we know the SEC would never allow, uh, it would have been a great game, but I think, I think AM takes that, that game. I do. A&M, I don't know that their ceiling is higher than ours. I think, I, I honestly think ours is, they're a more complete team, a more complete program as it stands right now. So yeah, they probably would have pulled ahead. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. 
I hope to never utter those words again. <laughs> All right, we're gonna talk about this national championship game. And does the Sarkeesian hire change your um, maybe viewpoint or how you might want to root in this game? Because it sure is hell for me. <laughs> like, well, now, I want it, I want it the highest. I wanted Ohio State to lose everything all the time anyway, and I but I also knew they were one of the best four teams in the nation. Yeah. So I will um, still say, we- unfortunately, I mean, if one of them has to lose, I want it to be Ohio State. And I would rather, Sarkeesian aside, I'd rather Alabama win only because that way Ohio State loses. Right. Well, I was very, 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 very pleased with Ohio State's um, play against Clemson. I don't, I know I'm not the only one, but I was laughing at that one too, especially after, um, Davo Sweeney, like (laughs) that number 11 vote. Yeah. (laughs) Idiot. I'm like, Oh my God, that is just inviting karma to the party, dude. Yes, but they were going to whoop them anyway. (laughs) Like, look, let me say this. Let me say this. And again, I know I'm the one that usually gets punched for, for my takes on stuff, but I agree talent wise. And we obviously saw it in the Clemson game. Ohio state is one of the, if not the best team in the They're nation. Elite. I'm not debating that. I still stand by my statement. They have no right and no business to be in the playoffs or a national championship only having played six games. I think that is such an insult. Uh, look, we all saw weird shit happen. Look, had OU played Oklahoma could the first played six the games and that was it. They got beat by Kansas State. You know, that that weird things happen in the college football season and without a full body of work and a full body and, and those full opportunities for weird upsets to happen and for teams to figure out who they are. I don't think it is fair at all that you have a team that's run through 10, 11 games, 12 games in a season and one that's only played six and you're giving them the equal opportunity at a limited four spots. I think it's horseshit. Yeah. Again, I'm not debating, are they a good team? I'm not debating, can they win at all? They are one of the top teams in the nation, but I think on principle alone, they shouldn't be there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I agree with you. I think that the way that the the Big Ten Conference handled that was just horrible all the way around. And we've been talking about that since day one. Right. But I mean, there is the little like ethical thing, like, well, do you hold the team accountable for that? Like, is it the team itself? You know, I mean, we could talk about this all day. Like, and I don't really have an opinion. I tend to agree with you, Megan. Like, I think that the playoffs I just don't think it's fair to the other corrupt as all get out anyway. Yeah. And I don't like the way that these things are decided. Did I necessarily want A&M in it? Oh, hell no, I didn't. But at the same time, like, like, who else would we have? But I'll tell you, Notre Dame, I think, shouldn't have been in the playoff. Yes, they beat Clemson when Clemson didn't have the number one player in college football. Well, he's not even in the Heisman talk, but you know what I mean? But still yeah. number one quarterback. Like, who else yeah, without like, Trevor Lawrence? No, yeah. With, yeah, they didn't have Trevor Lawrence. And then when he does come back, they got smoked. And I think that should have taken Notre Dame out of it because right. obviously they didn't belong. The fact that it set it up to where, like, the possibility of Notre Dame and Clemson matching up for the third time in a season. Thank you. That's me garbage. Not just that. I I just, and I will take that same mentality with the college football playoff. We need to expand because this same bullshit of the same three, four teams rotating it's no in different and out, than the BCS. it's, I'm not interested in it anymore. I can't say that I have been less excited about a national championship game in a long time. I, I just don't, 
yeah, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, I'm sure I'm going to be drinking and screaming at my TV, but I'm just not excited to see the same teams rotate in and out every time. I think there that, needs yes. to be an expansion. Well, you know, the model, the current model sets it up for that. The, the rich teams are getting richer. Right. Period. So and it's Texas, I think, can capitalize on that. So yeah. I realized that Texas could benefit from that if we could get our own thumbs out of our ass. I, I think that we could benefit from it, but right. it is, it needs to be back to the point that I was making, like upsets happen. So Cinderella stories happen and you don't get that as much when you're only considering four teams. Yeah. I will say this. I think this playoff would have been more interesting, maybe not better, but certainly more interesting with A&M in over Ohio state or they over boat race. I mean, they would have gotten boat race the, the product they had last night, they held on and then pulled away you can't hold on against Alabama and or well, clearly they did against Ohio State. <laughs> I I mean, I don't know. Give them a shot over Notre Dame because yeah, Notre Dame it. already proved they didn't belong when they got raced by Clemson when they actually had their full side. So, yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I think they were more dessert. Well, I say more dessert. Yeah, even their best win was actually shit now. Yeah, against Florida. Florida. I, against I Oklahoma. I can oh, look at they beat. I can make the argument, you know, all day, every day of why I hate A&M and why they don't deserve things. Yeah, sure. We can all do that. We're Longhorns. It's in our blood, right? Yeah. But I, I still think that they were a more deserving team to be in, Rocky, to your point, than Notre Dame. And th- again, is Ohio State a better team than A&M? Absolutely. There's no question. There's no question. But I don't think that TOSU should be in there. I think it would have been more interesting and better for the playoffs for AM to be swapped in. Well, give me AM, just, Notre Dame, Bama, and, and Clemson. Give and to me, that's at least a more a intriguing chance. roundup than what we watched. Yeah. Or give a group of five team a chance. And, like, I mean, I know that they didn't always farewell, but like, that, that's, that's also what is so broken about this current system. Um, among other things. And then I loved Mac Brown's comment about how like expanding the playoffs, we would actually see less opt-outs because of it. And he's so spot on. Opt-outs are kind of tarnishing the bowl season for college football. Are they not? Like not only do very few players stay for their senior year anymore, but now they're not even finishing their entire junior season. That's a tough one for me. I, that's a hard one. Uh, yeah, I, 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 like, I'm not going to risk my NFL career for a PlayStation, you know, yeah. for a weekend in but you just I don't don't, know, like, Nashville, you know, I, like, I get that. And that brings in the whole, like, should, should these players be paid or compensated for it? That brings in that. But like, overall, like, I love the purity that college football should be. And I think that we would see less opt outs. I'm just, I mean, you want to see the best products you want to see the best teams play each other. Agreed. I mean, it, 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 as a fan, I I mean, I'll, I'll sit on that side of the fence for a minute as a fan, it sucks to spend a thousand dollars on tickets and hotel and airfare and going to a, a destination bowl game and to watch your second and third string guys play. I agree. I, I, I understand that argument all day, every day. I really do. And I, and I, I would have loved to see Cosme in Osai and apparently you know, we didn't need him. I would have loved to see our guys play that last bit. But I also understand why they're opting out. Yes, I agree. Mac Brown's take on it that expanding the college playoffs would encourage better football and more people and more kids staying to play because yeah. you're playing for more. I agree with that. 
And I do think there can be an argument to be made that you should have some school pride and you should have some, you know, I'm there for my team. Yeah. I'm going to be here to be the best teammate I can be. But again, I, I, I don't fault them for looking after in it, in the current world of college football and the business that it is and the multi billions of dollars that are being made on these kids backs mm-hmm. out their best interest really being looked after. No, you know, I, I understand it. And, and Hannah, you asked, should we pay players? I'm firmly in that camp. Yeah. I think you see that change. Do you have the option to opt out? Do you have a players association that looks out for the well being and the health of the kids once you start paying them? Yeah. Does it take away the feel of college football a little bit? Also? Yeah. But we are at that point where the haves, you know, the college administrations and the guys that are raking in all this cash and they're doing it on the backs of the players who aren't benefiting from this other than having the potential to go to the NFL. Right. You know, and they have to stay healthy to do that. So right. no, yeah, I don't like, I, hey, I don't with, with the current structure that we're at, you start paying the players and it changes the dynamic. And I think that would be a positive move. I think it would even the playing field more a bit. If, if done right, and I don't trust the NCAA to do anything right, but that's for a whole nother episode or episodes. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, I, I completely understand if a, if a player is like, okay, so now I have to go through two more weeks of COVID protocol or three more, you know, and, da, 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 and travel and risk another injury for a couple of jerseys and a PlayStation. No, when I have millions of dollars potentially on the line. And the good thing is like, it really only affects one or two or three players of the top teams and the top top ones are still playing because they're in the championships right so I, I don't think it's it's so dramatic these opt-outs it's only a couple of players on a few teams I don't I don't think it's like out of thousands of players it depends on the team how much it impacts their play like in these bowl games but overall yeah I get it I just I'm a fan of college ball bottom line and I love the excitement that it can bring. And I want to see the best teams whole play each other. Like, yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about Texas. You want to see the best players at the best position. Yeah. Period. Like, okay. Like uh, Rose bowl, Texas versus USC. Like we had our, we fielded our two best teams that day. And we found out. But that's a championship. Exactly. Exactly. I know, but that's the whole point to like go into the playoffs, expanding it. Like if you have the the opportunity to play in the national championship game going in, you're going to see less opt out. So, yeah. And again, I agree with that take, but I I do think it's more, I I understand both sides. I can, I'm not going to say that it's ruining the sanctity of college football, because I think that started long ago when you started talking about the, the contracts and the money that these schools are making and that these bowls are making and that the networks are making and that the kids aren't getting any piece of that, even though they're the ones risking everything. Right. And I mean, statistically beyond that too, Rocky, to your point, a very small percentage of kids actually make it in the NFL. Right. So that argument goes away a little bit when, you know, I think the kids that are putting in equal opportunities should be compensated equally. So. Oh boy. So much to figure out. Woo. We talked Lightning, about Tarkeesian. Pick, pick a national title winner. Who we, Hannah, who Alabama. Do you got? Oh, sorry. Alabama. What's the spread? Ooh. Oh, Alabama by about eight or nine. Um. Okay, I'm going to say Alabama wins, but uh, Ohio State covers the spread. I'm going to give it a score of 35 to 31. That's a, right about where I was. Alabama wins. I just pulled that up. Cover, like that. Um, around 40, 30, 
32, 30, 40, somewhere around there, 40, 33. Yeah. I'm going to say I agree with y'all. I think Alabama takes it, but just for the sake of being a contrarian and I've effed up every other score <laughs> this season, I'm going to go and I'm going to say because I hate it and because they've only played six games, I'm taking Ohio State. I say what? they pull it off. I say they pull it off by five points. They could do it too. That's I the say thing. they pull it off by five points. I think they pull it off 38 35, Ohio State. Well, I either continue my record of terrible picks or you I know. just nailed <laughs> the best, most shocking upset. so you know could go either way but we do want to say it's been a minute since we talked we're bad we had so much to talk about and we're gonna stay around we're gonna stay around don't worry don't worry yeah around did want to say we really appreciate everybody joining us for this insane season go figure the time that we would decide to kick up a podcast would be the weirdest wackiest (laughs) football season we have seen in a while a lot of but never fear dear <laughs> listeners we will still give our completely ridiculous takes and all things texas we're going to be talking hoops we'll talk baseball coming up and we're going to have some really great special guests to talk about the recruiting going on coaching changes all things you the nfl draft yeah don't forget about us in the off season yeah, we'll find some people you know from social media and get to know them more personally, get to know their personalities and talk Texas. It'll be fun. Well, until next time, y'all, I'm Megan. I'm Rocky. And I'm Hannah. And we are Fire the Cannon.